Welcome to the wrapping up LUQ&A for season two of the LUQ. Let's hear a fucking round of applause to everybody who performed in season two, baby. Season, round of applause. Season. Does somebody want a ghost clap for Michael? <laughs> I'm so sorry. So Michael's not here. Uh, we decided to do this after we recorded the first episode of the first chapter of season three. So that's hot on the fucking presses. But unfortunately, Michael isn't here because he's not in season three and trying to figure that out would have been a nightmare. So... Uh, <laughs> If you want, we can try to see if Michael just wants to record a solo no, Q&A. So, it's all right. Uh, he gave Max and I all of the answers to every question. <laughs> Psychically. If I you, like it. If you just have Michael come in and record like a session of like, uh-huh, uh-huh. There you go. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, and just cut it in. I do like the idea that we can answer some of Michael's questions. Do we have a, a Ouija board to contact the spirit of living Michael? <laughs> <laughs> also, I know that Michael would be more than happy to answer your questions on the Discord. Yes. He loves true. to do that shit. This is going to be a bit unorganized because what I currently have for questions is a thread we started on the LUQ Discord for people who are on the Discord to ask questions regarding the end of the season. These are all going to be by your name on Discord as it currently stands. Some people ask a lot of questions. Some people ask a few. I'm just going to kind of keep scrolling up and down until we find some juicy ones, and we'll answer them the best we can. And we also have a Bree in the background, who I believe might be able to step up and answer some questions yes. here and there. We have a Perfect. gentle breeze in the room. We have a Bria. Angelo, that burp sounded exactly like somebody sucking the last droplets off the bottom of a fucking milkshake, and it put me off because I was like, Bree, so help me God if you're out there sucking on a milkshake. <laughs> Oh, you're right. That's what I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Milkshake go in, milkshake uh, always come out. We got Brie Golden gently slurping in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Providing much needed fully. <laughs> Trying to really get that last drop out of it. So how'd you come up with that Hulking idea down for the chocolate malt in the background. All right. This one jumps out at me. This is from Soren, and it starts with questions for both Zach, Brie, and the players. <gasps> to Zach. What were some of the plot points you knew you were going to have in the game as you were writing the campaign and DMing? And were there any fun surprise moments for how the players reacted and changed your course of action? Well, it would be easier to say the things that I didn't already have planned, because for the most part, I kind of knew how I wanted the plot to go. But I will say that it wasn't until, for example, that Penny gave the the poetry about Ophidian Ashpool, mm. that I knew that specific reveal. Right. But I did know that I wanted Ophidian to be tied to the Darkwood. I knew it was going to be related to Penny. I knew all that stuff. I knew that. But the details didn't manifest until things happened. And I would say generally that's how the whole season went, is I knew something, and then y'all would give me something that was so fucking perfect that I just wrapped it all in together. Mm. Sometimes the story helps to write itself. Exactly. We, we played right into your trap cards. Mm -hmm. He knew exactly what Wuxia would reincarnate as he <laughs> predicted the draw from the hat. Honestly, I had no idea if and when anybody would die, and I had no idea what was going to happen if he did. But I, d I did know that I had something planned for if anybody died. Fuck yeah. Mm. I know from just browsing earlier, there are lots of questions about what if deaths. Ah. So maybe we'll get to there too. Uh, Tabri, what were some of your favorite maps you designed for this season? Get on up to the, the hot tube. Get in here, darling. <laughs> I just kind of assumed you would be quick and ready to go here. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Here I am. I think the Pale Bastion is probably my... F oh, God. The you can, it's a rolly chair. You can just roll over. <laughs> breaking things. I'm sorry. Roll over organization. None of this is getting out of here. <laughs> oh, God. All right. That's what he does to I us. Talk, and I'm not going to move your head. <laughs> I am restrained. <laughs> 
The Pale Bastion was my favorite map to create. I think it was the one that came to me most naturally. Mm -hmm. I had minimal <laughs> I had minimal input on it and I just I just went ham. I went ham on it. Any close number twos? <laughs> All her number twos are close. <laughs> I I would have to say the Black Forest with the castle. Mm. That was I think oh, the yeah. first double map that I did. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah. Very good. That was hopefully, before my time. <laughs> hopefully the uh, fans know which ones you're talking about because of their membership to Patreon. <gasps> Patreon. And to the players, who were some of your favorite NPCs slash alternate characters played and why? Oh, man. I mean, we all know the, the special shout out. Sex cat? Big one. I was just going to say the Grimalkins in general. The Grimalkins. Like, I think those have a, yeah, I think those I, have a unique little place. And don't forget, Wusha wasn't there for sex cat. I know. That's why I was going to. Gilder is top of mind, also a Grimalkin, So I'm a little yeah. concerned with how many cats I had in this uh, season. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not really a cat person. Heavy. I pointed it out. <laughs> there's, true. Way, there's a little too well, much okay, feline look, energy look, here. Look, listen. Sex cat. Okay, listen to this. Sex dog. <laughs> that's worse yeah. why is that so much worse we start every episode by fucking the dog you just yeah. gotta move on to the sex because yes. that's why we don't do dogs <laughs> well we, we do <laughs> I have I have a more like specific answer to this rather than just like oh these these group of characters and it was Dana's used car salesman oh yes. yeah the, the flesh peddler yeah. So good. Incredible. Hey, Bubby. Um, just amazing. Thank <laughs> you. Was That's it walrus kind. nipples or something <laughs> like that? Yeah, walrus I, I think so. Or it was walrus dicks. Uh, no, it was whale dicks. Yeah, whale dicks. I, I'm pretty sure it was manatee nipples, maybe. Manatee mm. nipples. I'm not are, sure. Oh, the huge manatee nipples. <laughs> <laughs> there was just, that episode was strong in the just that dumbass NPCs. I mean, that was just a conveyor belt of hilarious NPCs. If you shave off <laughs> like that, the like cafeteria conversation you guys have, it's pretty spoiler free other than Wuxia dies at some yeah, point. Well, surprise. Mixed spoiler. <laughs> Theoretically, a pretty juicy but, spoiler. But how he dies <laughs> is right. unknown. True. Like, it could have just been like some casual whatever. He could have died yeah. on the toilet. We yeah, don't know. He did. Yeah. What? <laughs> I, I did not love Doug at first, and he grew on me very quickly. Oh, Aww. Doug. Yeah. I mean, I think immediately Dirk yep. was really great. Mm -hmm. Dirk was one of the Doug. best developed characters in the show. That's true. <laughs> all the, all the D-boy, Dirk, Doug. Dirk, Doug, Dad. I did feel bad about how similar Dirk and Doug ended up being in the end as far as like dialogue style goes, mm. uh, but it's like, fuck it, I don't care. I've got it. I've only got so many voices, guys. <laughs> no, Dirk, the, Dirk's use of words is different. It's Doug's lack of use of words that makes him different. True, true. They live and die in their like expression, not uh -huh. the not the voice. Specifically because this mentions alternate characters played, though, I have to give a big shout out to the Western gang and the pirate crew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in love with my assholes. My alternate character jerks always end up falling right into my heart hole. That's fucking wild because I'm also in love with your asshole. I mean, it's just like <laughs> uh, Max, I really like your like trip chapter character. Voice. Oh, you mean Bruder? Yeah. Bruder. Bruder <laughs> the Jaw is probably one of my favorite fucking like villain characters <laughs> I've was, ever seen in my entire fucking he life. He was great. The name alone. Baruga the Jaw fucking slaps. This was very good. Ugh. It's got big Disney vibes, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> Religion fucking check to toss your boy Religion overboard. Strength Religion check. strength. Religion <laughs> strength. 
Oh, Baruga. God, I got so shit on in that whole fucking section. I just <laughs> fucking pinned you down, five. squeezed no, a big no. steamer right on Wusha. I've, mm-hmm. seen, I've seen a lot of, like, jokes on the LUQ Discord and, like, heard him and shit like that about how, like, I roll, like, ass. Like, I roll consistently bad. And I fucking swear to God, that's only true in this show. <laughs> in my home games, you know, it's peaks and valleys like it fucking should be. I don't know what it is about this fucking recording table. Oh, we turned off Karmic Dice. <laughs> we, we, we turned off Karmic Dice. Sorry, bud. Shit. Wah, wah. Well, that's fair. That's the way to play, though. That's the way <laughs> to Agreed. play. Agreed. <laughs> this one just popped out of me. Um, again, going very out of order and just following the interest of my eyes. From Brandon Wills, a.k.a. Luna Shadowpaw. To the table, if you were to run a one-shot for the other players, what would you want to run? I did it. Wait, it wait, was wait. the trip chapter. Wait, right. Wait. Let the table talk. Are, are, are I, we talking? Are we're we talking for the table to talk? Yeah, oh. a, a side chapter of luck or any game. You heard exactly what I read. <laughs> I have one that I want to run for folks, but I don't know how much I should talk. We should I'm, maybe not spoil that one because it, it, okay. it might happen. I have been working on one, and it will happen. I I, I agree that that kind of treads into stuff we might actually do. So in, instead, let's say if we could do a one-shot of any game that wasn't Dungeons & Dragons, what would you want to do? I don't want to take laws, but Dogs in the Vineyard is top of my fucking list. Way to take laws. Y'all would do (laughs) real good on that. Once I learn it, I actually think running a one-shot of Numenera for this table would be really fun, just knowing Mm -hmm. how you guys play and interact with world lore. Because the rule book is 99% world lore. Yes, it is. It is staggering how dense the amount of lore is on Numenara. Jesus. I tried to read it during one convention. No. <laughs> it wasn't happening? No. Just a lot. It was like homework, man. Yeah. I would really love to run um, Avatar Legends. Because I think we could have a good fucking time with that Ooh, game. Especially when we really get into our like silly, goofy, kid-like shit. I yeah. think that could be really juicy. Yeah. There are... To be clear, Max is obviously talking about the James Cameron written Avatar RPG where we all yeah. play Navi. We we're gonna <laughs> well, sit some, here and we're gonna blue ourselves. Right. Some of us are playing humans trying to get that unobtainium. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A fool's errand. I just want to fuck the big blue cats. <laughs> <laughs> More cat energy. <laughs> Thankfully, though, this is a multi-part question since the first one seemed like maybe spoiler avoidance. I don't think Dana got us got us an answer though. Yeah, I'm debating because the thing is, what I really, really want to play with all of you, and I would pay money to play with all of you, is die. But I don't want to run it. <sighs> yeah, law, yeah. Is, law has to run a die yeah, session. Yeah, it, it has for to it. be. No. <laughs> don't all put put it on law. I, I think he's best suited. I think for he's it. the only one that can. Oh no! He also is the one who introduced me to the comic, so mm. it's like it's pretty appropriate. Yeah, I just really want to play an emotion night. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As much as I'd love to run. The thing is, though, the MPC, the, the DM in that game is just another player at the table. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bree, what would you run for us? I don't know many other systems, but I have heard that there is an Elf Quest RPG out there somewhere. <laughs> oh, and Lord. I want to run that. Speaking of the horniest game we could play. <laughs> I once did a, a, like a voice acting audition for an Elf Quest thing. Sick. Uh, one of the follow up questions from Brandon Wills is to Zach, which season to NPC was your favorite to portray? Oh boy, that'll have to be uh, whoo the cartographer. I yeah. think I love the cartographer. It's one of my character. favorite voices. I like the voice he does. Uh, the second, and it's a tight second, is Johann Goethe. 
Mm-hmm. I really loved Goethe. He was such a fun, weird dude. No love for Booglenose. <laughs> oh, God. It's one of my favorite voices, too. If I was going top three voices, it's definitely in there. That's fair. No, I, I liked Goethe because he was he was so... I, I built him as literally the 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 pinnacle example of what happens when a plurality truly becomes singular and truly separates themselves from their core. The idea that he's a good person mm-hmm. and constantly conflicted by that it was just very, very good. But yeah. Let's take a look at this list. Take a look at my this list. is from Beaver Nugget. <laughs> Excuse me? Yes. I'm going to with that name again. Also, all of the E's are number threes. Thanks, so. B-Nugs. That's an elite beaver nugget. That's an elite beaver <laughs> nugget. Elite beaver agent. How did you guys go about deciding to make the different penny personalities and how it would all eventually connect to the Darkwood? We didn't decide shit. <laughs> I, designed, I designed all of them. I'll say here. Fuck. Um, yeah, so I didn't know that everything that happened was going to happen in advance, and I kind of took it as we went. Uh, I've said this before. I said this uh, during the finale stream. Uh, I, Penny Farthing, I think, could have been a whole, an all-season character if she had stuck around. Um, I oh, had sure. plans for her. And then it's just, at, at any given moment, I, I just dipped into what I thought the story needed. Like, I, when I designed Pentecos, I took it from the perspective of Penny designing Pentecos and what she mm. thought the party needed. Mm. And she designed Pentecos to be what she wasn't and what she thought y'all needed, and it obviously didn't turn out that way. And then when I was doing Nellie... I really thought about wow, how does being raised by Iavos I- change who Penny is as a person and how is she different from Penny Farthing? Uh, because I knew I was getting a little bit ba- like back to the roots with with that version of her. Yeah, I, I go very, very much from character. Uh, Penny Dreadful. I feel like that's something that was it's born a in a Dana slash fic, like something erotic <laughs> that Dana wrote. Yeah, like everything out of the episode Sense with a Penny Dungeon uh, was different. <laughs> Just different interpretations of the Penny character that I thought were fun, uh, including that one, which is at that time was literally just evil Penny. What does that look like? And I'm like, oh, it's a hag. She's a fae. And getting to reprise that, that's when I kind of built that character more and gave it for her backstory. Uh, And on the note of Penny Dreadful, I think that was the only one I had any hand in helping create. And that was purely because I knew at some point there was going to be an evil Penny who specifically was an agent of the Darkwood, who specifically was going to like harm everything that was going on with y'all. And really, I was like, it could come in at any of these places. So I had already built the idea of that to happen whenever it made sense. And the fact that literally the part in the story where I would have wanted to insert her was also the part where you walked into Yavos's dream. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. Because if it, before that, if you had been like, oh, that's Astrum, I can't go in there. Then like you'd gotten like a special ring or something, a stable. Like we could have yeah. figured out a way around and, it. And that was that entire character and that entire arc was just very much a moment of serendipity of Zach and I same braining, which we do sometimes, and just going back and forth because like Zach didn't even Zach wasn't around for the recording of Sense, and and then I introduced. That I had character. to take a nap. Yeah, and then and then you <laughs> took that. You're like, oh, that's great. That's kind of what I was thinking anyway, and just uh-huh. this character evolved. Yeah, I would also say that like uh, it was once once she was in. Yavos's dream, or once she was in the Axis, I knew I wanted to tell Dana what was going to happen. That was the part where she knew because it was uh, the only time I let the uh, the players know something like that is when they had when there's nothing else they could do when it's inevitable when it's like oops you've already made the decision now here's the consequence of that decision and I'm letting you know ahead of time so you can prep yourself for it. Right? Do we all have dream pennies we wish would have existed? Hmm. Mm. Um. Yes, Law's fucking weird ground maggot librarian penny that he came up with when I was asking you all oh, to come up yeah. with shit. The description of that fucking penny was so cool. And I'm like, 
I want to know this person. Right. I have to interject on on behalf of Michael Loving. Michael Loving oh, has a yeah. headcanon for a swashbuckler penny named Penash. Yes. <laughs> I remember this. Mine is the Penelopede, and I will not <laughs> expand on that at all. Mm. That's the worst one. <laughs> 1,000 hooves. <laughs> 1,000 antlers. <laughs> they clatter through the forest. I don't know. Let's see. We had like a fighter, a barbarian, a warlock. What did we not get? Artificer Penny? Mm-hmm. Monk Penny? Monk Penny? Ooh, pun- oh, so fun, penny. fun fact. Uh, with sense, I, when I wrote it, I actually wrote it to be longer. I wrote like a like what would have been like a like a two hour adventure, I think. And I had mm-hmm. I had at least Fifty uh, percent more pennies that I ended up cutting, yeah. so Ooh. I had a lot more classes. Yeah, you had you had a penny <laughs> for each class. Two scoops of pennies, at least. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if we got one from Angela, but that's okay. I mean, pick a penny from the well. Yeah, undead penny, undead penny. Ooh. I like that. Well, there was briefly headless penny. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but we never. That's true. For a that's fleeting true. combat mm. moment. I actually, I think it would have been. Like earlier in the season, like a Gaspar with a penny head would be very cool to see. That would Ooh, be really cool. I don't like that. <laughs> so that was actually a question for Dana. Hooray. Um, that's totally fine. This one is from Bonk Honga Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you plan character builds all the way out to 20, even though you may not reach that high? No. Fuck I, no. I actively and specifically discourage it. Yeah. No, not for me. No. The way I, I-, I remain aware of like, okay, I know, I always multi-class, so like, fuck character progression for me, like, I never get those big nummies. <laughs> but I, I'm aware of the fact, like, okay, I know around when Iavos gets level six wizard, I'm gonna get this thing that I know matches his flavor really well, but I don't, like, rush to it. I was pretty evenly split for most of it, cleric wizard. Yeah, I don't even think about that until I actually get the level, mm-hmm. and then what I choose is based on where the story is at that point. Um, if... If Penny had lived a little bit longer, I actually asked Zach if I could add levels in Fighter. And he was very concerned about the idea of a triple class. Yeah. Generally speaking, I don't like triple classes. I for sure did not plan Wuxia out all the way to fucking 20 because I didn't plan for Wuxia to be fucking around for that long. Turns out he was... Like like Dana, Like as things evolved, I was like, what makes sense? What would be fun? But there was also an idea of like what has Wuxia fallen short of and what would he want to prove to people that he could do? Yeah, and what I would add is if I had done that, Penny wouldn't have even been a Valor Bard. That was not part of my plan. I did not plan for her to fight Sword and Shield or anything like that. Uh, she would have been much more like backline classic Bard. Hell yeah. For Gaspar, I knew pretty much. like, or I had the intent to just stay rogue. Like why... You know, think about multi-class or anything. If anything really happened and it made sense to multi-class, I was going to. Like, I'm still open for that. It's not like I made every char- like level have a character sheet and know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, yeah, I'll go for Rogue. Michael planned for something <laughs> and went the inverse of it. That's true. That's right, true. I think. Yeah, pretty much every time he was he was like, oh, well, I originally intended to do this, but I think it's better I do that. It was supposed to be like 18 barbarian and two paladin, and he wound up 18 paladin and two barbarian, something yes. like that. So the answer for Mike was, yes, he plans it out to 20, but that doesn't mean he follows that template. No. I'd also say that just generally, if you have a choice between 18 something to the other thing and those two, 18 paladin is going to be way more handy than an 18 barbarian. Correct. <laughs> you're, you're right, though. Michael Correct. definitely does speculate about higher level builds 
fairly early on. He just doesn't necessarily stick to it. I would say that Michael, and this is this is saying something given that how some of y'all uh, think, Michael tends to be the mo- probably the most mechanically minded person here and tends to really drive for like, not like power gaming, but he really keeps an eye on the build. Like that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a sharp thought in his head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This one is from Masterball. What was the driving inspiration for the Dirk Bradley and Warren Rusbro saga? Was there intentional parallels put in or was it more off the cuff and y'all built from there? Well, I mean, you can speak to this if you want. Yeah, I mean, we spent a long time deciding who Dirk and Warren were, um, usually starting with a name and then kind of slowly chiseling away a concept and then just kind of starting with them as rough template characters having the dialogue and then kind of feeling out, well, where can we take their story from here? I was like, maybe I'll slip in some lore. And we didn't know at the beginning that they would like if they would end up being friends or oh, just no, no. coworker enemies. We knew exactly what they were not going to be, and was friends was top <laughs> sure, of my list. Sure. I was insistent no. they are not going to be friends. And let me tell you, y'all, they're still not. Right. <laughs> yeah, they were never going to become like the buddy story. Yeah, that was something we were going to avoid. That said, we didn't really define what would happen with their relationship down there. I feel like at some point we even discussed possibly like Warren adopting D- Dirk before, like because <laughs> he was like a tragic homeless figure kind of thing. Yeah, because but- that was that was back when like we were at the height of the. Uh- so Law knew a little bit ahead of time that well, actually, no, Law knew almost from the beginning that Glenn Armistice was Dirk's father. Yeah, but he had no conception of the of the details. Like he didn't know that why it was a big deal or any of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so they were mostly, you know, evolving as they go. Yeah. And we definitely, you know, sat down sometimes and figured out what they were going to do. But yeah, we didn't know from the beginning what was going to happen with them. They just kind of evolved as needed. But I will say that that as I was going and as I was making my long-term plans, I started figuring out how I was going to formulate the overarching plot into their story. So I definitely knew ahead of time some of it, but not all of it. And for the most part, we really did take it by play it by ear and go episode by episode. Yep, definitely. This one is for all the players and Zach too in quotations, um, or in parentheses. Sorry, quotations <laughs> and, and Zach. Zach. <laughs> uh, were there any character? A- oh, and this is from Reshman, of course. Uh, were there any character aspects or background stories, etc., that you didn't get a chance to share or explore as part of the show that you'd like to see, like to have seen? I definitely had a lot of writing for Wuxia that I didn't get to show at all, which is which is fine. It just wasn't relevant stories about like how he lost his uh fucking how he lost his leg originally that got fucking that got retconned uh, totally retconned which is fucking great in the it's, coolest way possible yeah, yeah 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 not not a fucking problem at all for the episode where we fought that was it the Adruhai where he had to do the like writing about our mothers yes. like that oh, one yes. I had I had a lot written for Wuxia there and most of it didn't get shared mm-hmm uh, gosh, that's a big question. I mean, Benny was so thoroughly <laughs> examined. Like, I, yeah, but there was yeah. a lot. I'm sure there was still. But I, I have just tons and tons of stuff, and it's not so much that we didn't get to explore it as we went in a different direction or we did something else in its place. Yeah. I would say my biggest regret throughout the whole thing was not getting to spend more time on Abel and, not, and more time finishing up Gaspar's story. Um, there were elements of that that I really felt like I wanted to get to, but in the end, we were just in this situation where if I had protracted it any longer than it already was, it would have been like, y'all know the season's coming to an end, and it would have just been dragging on. So I tried my best instead to just give you the coolest fucking boss fight. And frankly, I have had so many of the fans be like, best boss fight in the game, easily. That was a fun fight. It was mm-hmm, fun as hell. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing that I would say is that so the the Fellow Crown theme song that Penny Farthing 
slash Pentecost was writing, Nellie did finish it. You will hear it in this episode. Oh, gosh. Yeah. We are going to, we didn't get a chance to put it in the uh, thing because I was waiting for Danny to give me the final re- revision. Yeah, so that's that's the thing is uh, I couldn't, I didn't get around to recording it because I just didn't have time because we're opening the bar mm-hmm. uh, and I'm still pretty busy, but at some point you will hear it. And we I, hired the Oregon Symphony to perform it right here in the recording one of the, studio. One of the yeah, problems yeah. is it's beautiful and I can't sing. If you can get it to me before this airs, so you got two weeks. If you can get it to me before this airs, we'll put it in this in this episode. Okay. Well, well, Tuesday is my only day off, and this is it this week. <laughs> <laughs> Next Tuesday it is. Right. <laughs> I don't know if it counts as like backstory that didn't really get touched on, but I almost as original concept, even up through episodes, I'd say three or four. Um, was that every spell he cast and everything that he kind of manifested outside of his own understanding was going to be in some way an allusion to the, the acre and like a involve some sort of dogma or lore from there. Each one was preceded by a little poem, like a prayer to a certain person that it represented. But that stacks up on you, you know? When you get After a certain number of spells, you're like, shit, <laughs> I got to keep track of everything. I wasn't really lost on trying to keep up with it. It was exciting to me, but also... At that point, Penny kind of had the rhyming thing start to come up and poem things, so I kind of backed off a little bit. But I think if that had continued, there'd probably be more little like juicy lore drops about the Withering Acre. But I don't think they like detracted having them gone. But words are magic. But I would also say magic. that generally, like rhyming poems is probably the easiest way to manifest uh, verbal uh, components. So mm-hmm. like everybody can do it. Like there's no reason why only one person should monopolize that for the table. Oh no, I just mean things you hear in a D and D show very often. Like you don't really hear some people like weave together the actual incantation, which is kind of what I initially gone for Mm -hmm. but you know things change based on what feels right balance I'm trying to do that with foe Mm -hmm. one lore thing about Wusha I'm sad I didn't get to share ever is that he has two buttholes because of an accident he got in when he was younger fell off a cliff and landed on a tree you're fucking with us I am not it's in my phone right now I can show it to you don't show me your buttholes don't look at my butthole Angela anything you feel like you didn't get a chance to explore I guess there's some aspects of Gaspar but I feel like I made some moves and decisions out of mic, like texting or discording you. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, what if I do this? Or hey, can like can this be a thing I did? It's like, yeah. So there and we saw the consequences of most of it. Like mm-hmm. I mean actually all of it. So I don't really have a regret uh, or a backlog of things that we didn't touch on. I will say I almost kind of like the fact that we didn't touch too much on your backstory because you're such a shadowy figure and the idea that it like once once it's all revealed in daylight, it would have been like, ah, well, that's a little less mysterious. Yeah, that was kind of the part. Yeah. Right. I could have seen like maybe just like a couple more hint drops at like Gaspar returns, like cleaning blood off his hands, just like implying that while you're doing all the league shit, there's also several hit jobs you're more doing. More that would have been nice. But Correct. There was some and they were very delicious. I think the other big thing I really wish I had done more of was error. I think if I could have, if I could redo it all again, I would do two more error chapters and one more able chapter, and that would have been that would have been perfect. The clock is a fickle bitch. Mm-hmm. Here's one from Dezura. If you could play as someone else's character, who would you play as? Yavos. God, fucking hands down, Yavos. Christ, that's a hard question. I kind of want to play Gaspar. Gaspar. Hmm. I'm gonna go with Penny. I think that would be a lot of fun. I, I would I love to would see be... your chaotic. Penny. Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> can, can we hear your Penny voice? It's not that great, but it's something I could work on a little more. It's pretty good. <laughs> not Thank bad. Works okay. for me. What, what would Hal say? 
What would Michael say? Who would he, who would Michael? I feel like Gaspar is high on the list. I think he might go Wuxia. I think he might go Wuxia. I think he might go Wuxia. Because he likes interesting builds, and I feel like he would have really liked Wuxia's build. Wuxia's build was very weird. Yeah. I've never seen anybody else propose anything like it in like, I, I run a lot of games for a lot of people, and I have for a very long time. And I have never seen that archetype of a character proposed before. Nice. Look, if I had the choice of all our characters, I'd play Gaspar. Yeah. <laughs> That's the perfect I'd play Gaspar a answer. Different penny. Another penny. Uh Bree, who would you like to play? Penny, hands down. <laughs> like I have played kind of hell before. You have. It was a little bit, but not not God, too much. Bree would make an adorable penny, you know. Very much so. Even can just I, like cosplay. Can I cut in with something really quick here? And this motherfucker, you just reminded me a long time ago in a game that I was running played alongside with another friend of ours named Adam, and they made twin Asimar paladins named, opposite, Angelo and Autumn, and it was the worst thing anybody has ever done to me. <laughs> Excellent. My answer was Gaspar. Mashy asks, for all, obviously, what does character creation for a season look like? Is there cooperation or more isolated creation and just see how interactions naturally occur? I feel like I can feel this one a little bit. We did have uh, our season three character creation uh, kind of finish up recently. And in my experience, it goes a little something like this. We set up some vague guidelines. Everybody procrastinates until the first proper meeting. Everybody shows up with like half their character kind of built, except Law, who already built his a year ago. Um, we, have a, we have a weird conversation about what we want to do. Half of us realize we want to do something completely different. And then we disappear again. Procrastinate until the very last second. All of us then uh, like throw each other a bunch of like character sheets another stuff and then we realize there's like a problem because like two of us are making similar characters or whatever and then we procrastinate again and then come to the table with fucking amazing characters that none of us realize where they came from <laughs> right we do we do work on them together and kind of negotiate who's playing what like for example even though I did come to the table with ideas for season 2 my top choice at that time I love Penny my top choice was a dragonborn paladin who was like an elderly mother. Mm -hmm. And that was too similar to both Iavos and Halifon. And, uh, and so I did my second choice, mm -hmm. which was a satyr bard. Keep in mind, we were really specific when we're, in, when we're making our season three characters. It's like, don't come to the table with a character in mind. Uh, we want to negotiate characters in the moment so that nobody feels like they're being, oh, well, I didn't plan ahead, and now, therefore, I have to play something I don't want to play. Yeah, so that's funny. For season three, I came with three characters. Yeah, you did. And as soon as you described the world, I came up with a new one that was none of those yeah. and nothing <laughs> like them. Part of why I said, don't come with a character. <laughs> Well, yeah, anyway. <laughs> For season three, I presented one character, and it worked. Yes. The end. You presented, oh, three. Oh, sorry, season three. Yeah. For season two, I presented three characters. Yes. And you guys voted on one of them, which was a very fun process to watch happen. And it, it was the one who got the most, the most votes, but not the one everybody voted on. Yes. Which was cool. Um, for season three... My experience, this is my first experience, you don't make a fucking character. Keep in mind they have not been unveiled yet. This is airing before. Mm -hmm, this, mm -hmm. won't, this won't step on it. Don't worry. For season three, my experience was the individual mechanics of our characters were up to us, but their like emotion, their, their character, their role-playing thing was decided more collectively. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. we wanted to create a good personality balance, so yeah. it wasn't just like a lot of the same person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely do jump the gun on getting my character done. That said, I'll always, like, if it decides it just doesn't work, like, not even that long ago, 
I was ready to completely like tear my season three character apart and start over from scratch. <laughs> like it wouldn't have bothered me. Doesn't mean I didn't like what I came up with. But for season two, it was just too too important to the theme and the tone to not play the character. I think. I don't know if this is maybe a curse, but I think I can only really do character creation stuff when I'm doing something else. <laughs> like that's true. I've noticed that. Like some of it was, um, you know, we're we're lifting weights and just <laughs> shit talking and like yeah. kind of doing. Anytime I just sat down and tried to focus on, okay, time to create, like, uh, Same. Uh, or then I'd else. go take a walk with Max, and then we just like start talking. It's like, oh. Oh, yeah, no, that, that sounds J- like J.O. with Tasha's that, cauldron in yeah. one hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a time-honored tradition for the two of us, jerking off holding a book together. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but there. there is a bunch of individual wish, and shared crying. I wish yeah. that wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> we already spent the wish. <laughs> this is from Mr. Non-Anon. It's a multi-part question, which is great. One real quick one I'm going to knock out super fast is, to law in season three, will your character be a version of Baruga the Jaw? No. Oh. <laughs> That's my answer, by the way, of what character I would like to play. Baruga the Jaw. Yeah. All right, yeah. all right. To the table, is there anything you wished you had done differently or could make differently for any character? I feel like we kind of answered Yeah, that. that's it. I wish I could sing. Wish you could sing. Don't we all wish that? I would have done a lot of different stuff if I could sing. I tell you what. I picked this one because the next question is for Bree, so I figured I should throw some more of those in. I One thing I tried really hard to do at the end of season two was die. <laughs> I tried so hard. You have no idea how much I wanted to die in Look, that last fight. Throughout season two, though, Wusha already died twice. It's, it's okay. It's true. It's true. You met I, a quota. I got stun locked out of dying. <laughs> and some that of us rough. died much, much more. That's I felt true. so bad about the fact that I charmed you into submission because, like, in my mind, charm and fear are such nothing conditions mm-hmm. that, like, everybody's either immune to or resistant to or they mm-hmm. get over it quickly. And the fact that you failed every All single check, it was like, how? I had so many plans to be so reckless and do so many fucking wild ass things. And I designated just, survivor. I just got to sit there. <laughs> if, if, it, if it had been a spell, I could have taken it off you like that. But it was just a right. god ability. But that's what you get for slightly planning and slightly wanting. You're right. The dice go. You're right. I got I got stuck in the four zone. <laughs> <laughs> I will let you die. <laughs> but this one's for Bree. What inspired you towards map making, and what tips would you offer to help create fun and exciting maps for smaller games? Hmm. Brie fucking Professor X's her ass up to the mic. (laughs) I've always loved drawing since I was a kid. And one of my favorite things to draw were dungeons, uh, little mice and ant dungeons with uh, secret passageways and little escape routes and all with (laughs) spikes and trap doors and stuff. That's sick. And I didn't play D&D until I was about 30. And then I realized, oh shit, you could do this professionally. <laughs> and uh, once I started playing my own, uh, planning my own game, I started drawing my own maps. And then uh, then I started doing maps for uh, League of Ultimate Questing. In ter- At my behest. Mm. Yes. Yes, I was pushed. And I'm very glad for that. In terms of tips. Challenge more mice. <laughs> <laughs> Get really into mice. <laughs> In terms of tips, I would say just draw everything. Learn how to draw anything and just sketch. Also, learn how to draw things quickly and don't worry about lines. That is something that I am actually learning right now is you don't need lines on everything to have something look good. And learn digital art. 
That is mm. something that is that has been very, very good for me because I used to hand draw all of my maps with colored pencils, and that took forever. Oh, yeah. Hardcore. Wow. Yeah, in uh, art school, some of the things they make you do to, like, break down your, like, what you've been doing is, is just a lot of practices, like, draw using uh, only values, like shading values and no lines, draw, mm -hmm. you know, holding the very end of your pencil, things like that. Well, uh, we'll take a quick little break and come back to you with some more questions from the cuties on the Discord, but we'll be right back. Do you have an unquenchable thirst, but not for water, beer, or even wine? You want to chug hot, relaxing, fancy afternoon libations. Your unending desire for a steamy cup of tea rivals the linear nature of time itself. Well, we have a product just for you. Introducing Infinity. The buy once tea bag that never runs out of flavor. No matter how many times you dunk this smelly leaf bag, you'll have a robust, fragrant tea to lull your tea demons into a calming afternoon nap. Now you can get teabagged any time of day, hot or cold, strong or mild. This sack won't quit. Pass it down through your family. You can guzzle the same plant broth your grandma slammed when she was just a young tea addict like you are now. Buy once, buy forever, drink tea till you die. Infinity, the price is steep. No, seriously, it's pretty expensive. This is an investment you should plan for. I mean, it lasts forever. That's honestly not even a great business model. You can understand why our initial asking prices might be a little bit high. This company isn't really built for financial longevity. This is a project of passion. Infinity! As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. So wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. I've been called a great many things in my life. Chorlet, floozy, harlot, tart, slatten, fornicatress. But one thing I ain't never been called is smelly. I'm an hard-working girl. Another day, another notch in me bodice. 
but I always have time to beflower my deflowers. It's easy thanks to Lil Wench's body wash. That's B-A-W-D-Y, a strumpet's best friend. Comes in a liquid, powder, bar or even aerosol. It's always ready to blast away your full-time mink stinks. It don't matter how smelly the John or salty the sailor, I always feel like a goddess. Keeps me under Charcy, fresh and clean as a butcher's block, and me girls glowing and smooth like a cheese wheel. It's easy, but not cheap, just like me. Be the freshest and hardest to get coquette with Lil Wench's body wash. Kills 38% of lice and fungus and sanitizes with the power of ethanol and lye. Welcome back to LUQ&A number question mark. The one that wraps up season two. We are incapable of remembering what LUQ&A is. Look, it's Battle Ask Us 3. That's what's important. Battle there we Ask go. Us 3. To finish from the last break, real quick, the one last third part part of Mr. Non and Non's question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what? What in the, the English just happened? part, third part part. <laughs> <laughs> To Zach, how many times did all of your hard work and planning go right out the window? Almost never. This is the best group of players not only anybody could ask for, but I've ever played with, and I can't uh, imagine them making anything hard for me. Uh, it, in fact, playing with these guys and playing at this table made me realize a couple things are wrong about the way people think about games. One, everybody's out for themselves, and they tend to screw each other over and not really consider what the DM wants to. Very rarely do you get players who are really genuinely thinking, what would I want to see happen in a film? Mm -hmm. And then lastly, you don't tend to get players at the table who have experience writing, DMing, content creating, and thinking about other people's experience, and not just the people at the table, but how an external viewer would experience it. So yeah, no, they've never made it hard for me. And anytime they did, it's because what they said was so fucking cool that I'm like, well, that's the new shit. <laughs> I was going to touch on something. There's one, maybe two moments. I, re I don't remember what was happening, but I remember you being like, guys, I got to go rewrite something really quick. Yes. And you would just fucking like disappear and hammer something out. One of them was the star of the night against, yes. against the god of Which was beginnings. the coolest thing. Just period. The coolest fucking thing. Yeah, literally the only time it happens is because it was you gave me something so cool or I suddenly had a really cool ass idea or it's like, okay, I didn't think about where, how what would happen here and now I have to write something. And it wasn't that you made me throw something out. It's that I just didn't have any ideas. Yeah, you just so to like, swap it out with something different. Yeah. yeah. And those yeah. things happen in like in some D&D games. Mm -hmm. They don't usually happen on like live shows. Yeah. Just imagine if we were just like, okay, well, Zach uh, stepped out. We're, gonna <laughs> also, we're having technical issues. Bye. <laughs> fun fact, this thread that I'm reading from has been active for like a month and a half now. Mm -hmm. Shit. Someone is literally typing in it as we're recording this. <laughs> I, yes. did I, did just, I did just reach out to the, to the whole Discord and say, by the way, we're recording the Q&A oh, well, now. Why. If you have any finale questions, you have 30 minutes to ask. <laughs> if I can even make it down that far. So this one is from Sidonis, who asked us a lot of questions, and I wanted them to clarify which ones they wanted us to answer most. What up, Sidonis? <laughs> so... To Dana and Angelo, I don't know why I said it like that. Dan, Dana, <laughs> Dana, Dana and Angelo. Angelo. Apparently, my concept of the letter A and its use <laughs> decided to get a little creative. It's very flexible. So for Dana and Angelo, were there ever any ideas you had about what Penny and Gaspar might use their codices pages for? 
Oh, fuck, I have a codices page. <laughs> I never used it. I think in my head canon, things I did in the shadows would be that I did use the codices and it would be for how to, it would have been how to make soul trinkets. Mm. It, it would have been that information because by then I had lost uh, Nepet, mm-hmm. who was my Your blood know, boy, my blood boy, but the person who in my in the apartment, like in with with my secret laboratory in my room, we were just toiling away constantly, fucking with necromancy, making moves, and then when I had lost Nepet, it's like okay, what? So my headcanon, I, I used the page of the codices to figure out, okay, how do I not only trap one, but how do I watch somebody die and just take it for myself? How can I, hmm. how can I embezzle from Crom? <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. I like it. Mine is probably just lost somewhere in Eudaimonia with a child, like a child's drawing on it. Mm. Something y'all might like is, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this in the outro of the finale, but the codices were a manifestation of the soul of an elder brain. What you were literally taking was the collective knowledge of that universe that he consumed, and that was the remainder of it, which is why he was able to be so powerful that he could literally tell you secrets about your own universe. Mm. He got he got booked up. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there, but I wrote, I wrote Wuxia's codices, and I right. passed it to law. Apparently, Wuxia's codices uh, would have been more fish, please. <laughs> not, not really a question. Not a question about knowledge, but nope. there you go. It's a request. It was a request. You know, uh, going into the Eudemania, Eudemonia chapter, because I Eudemania. had- Eudemania. <laughs> Eudemania. That's pretty good. Because of Penny Dreadful's prophecies from Sense, um, and like Max joined the cast after that, I added lines about Wuxia just in case the entire poem came up. Aw. Thank you. Uh, for law, did Zach provide your codices page with a pre-established plan that it would be the creation spark for familiar opus? I, as law, the two approach I have to magic items is one, use it as fast as possible, <laughs> or two, save it for the weirdest moment to bust it out <laughs> when no one remembers you've gotten it. And with this one, I knew I wanted Iavos to get the fine familiar spell, and I gave, I remember we were on the back patio of RGB, and I was like, so I got an idea for my codices page and my familiar. How do you feel about this? And yeah, Zach was 100% on board, which I was very grateful for. But like the idea of just a living spell book, both my familiar and spell book. And the fact that like I'm ask, I ask for a way to find all the things I'm looking for, like answer wise. So I just get a book that fills with knowledge and eats books. We might want to we might want to make a, a stat block for how to get Opus as a familiar and make rules for it. So that way people can do that totally. in their own game. I do have an Opus stat block, but I don't have it written up for how to get it. But that would be great to share. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was just really... uh. Really fun idea of me. Uh, that was literally like that. I had the idea of the episode we got the page. I was like, idea. Um, and for Zach, did you have any hidden hopes about how the players would try to utilize the codices pages? Absolutely not. Um, I just thought it was going to be so juicy. And again, I said this earlier, but this group of players is so fucking brilliant that I knew if I gave them the op- option to just get answers, they would give me some cool shit. Mm. Was this about the Labyrinth? Yes. That was one of the first conversations that you and I ever had. Zach, yeah. Way back when about, you're like, I got this idea for this thing. I'm going to do it in the show soon. Yeah. I thought it was cool. I ran the boss by you and you were like, that's a good fucking boss. And you I did. was like, yeah. if Max thinks it's good, it's got to be good. I appreciate you saying that when you barely knew me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think at that point we, uh, no, you're nope, right. We, we hung out like other. maybe three times. True, true. <laughs> this question is from Enner. 
uh, prefaced as a simple but deep question. Players, what lesson has this campaign taught you as a player? Trust your players. Trust your players to do cool shit. Trust your players to have fun ideas, to do cool shit, and to roll with them. And if they bring up something that's a better idea than what you had in your head, just let them be right about it. Let them be right about it. Let it happen. Don't make a big deal about it. Just follow through. Trust the people around you that are fucking cool and have good ideas, and your story will benefit from it all the more. More music. More music. <laughs> like, I think I the, the power of everybody here having, like, a playlist for their character, each character, like, having their own song for the... Uh, from the boat, like their their work, the rowing song. God, that shanties. was fun. Shanties. Yeah. God, that was fun. Just gets easier. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It was just like it's not something that's been very prevalent in my games because I'm used to running for you know open tables of mm. you know c- drop in and play. Nobody's busting out pre-made or like hastily made songs. They've got they've got bits. They've got jokes. They've got quotes from you know popular books. But having somebody do the homework and write something, write a song. Yeah, that's fair. I have made the pop-in plays, write a song on the fly, and it either goes amazingly <laughs> or really awkwardly. <laughs> I have, yeah, I've avoided the really awkward result. I guess for me, in in this format, the lesson that I learned specifically is that the, the longer the podcast has been going, the more like professional, quote-unquote, D&D stuff I've been doing. And one of them is learning to deal with like creative depletion or, or feeling like you're running out of ideas. Just the entire option of collaborating, like really listening to things that come from your your colleagues and your co-players right off the bat. Like go out and get some fucking drinks with your players and your friends and see what ideas come to you when you're not at the table. And it'll it'll fuel you for months and you'll get new ideas out of yourself too. So that's a really good way to avoid creative fatigue is just reach out into the ether, put your friends all around you and get the creative ball bouncing around. Yeah, you know how like some artists, you know, music or whatever they're making, when they start out very good, because it's like they're taking from a lot of life experiences. And then it just becomes very apparent that their only life experience from that after that point is trying to write something. Yeah. Yep. Like, <laughs> yep. They're writing about writing. They're yep. painting about painting. Right? It's just, oh... Oh, that's a spiral. Break the spiral. <laughs> uh, yeah, as a player, um, I would say the big thing that I've kind of learned from from this is just that you don't have to be solely responsible for like everything about your story. And uh, it's okay if a dramatic moment comes up to kind of ask the table, like, hey, what's a cool line that I could say here? Mm-hmm. And being comfortable doing that. Like, you can, you can table source, like, cool moments. And then asking, also asking your DM if there's anything they want to see with your character and like trusting that. And I would actually piggyback on uh, what Max was saying earlier, the idea of, you know, trust the other players, trust the people at your table. And I'd say one thing you can do that's really good is uh, align your interests with your DM's interests. If your DM clearly has a tone or a vibe or an interest that they're really excited about and they're weaving into the world, do your best to align the way you play and the way you think with that. Like, I found that when Law's DMing me, and I play right into the style he loves, everything gets better. He gets excited, I get excited, everybody at the table gets excited. And once you see that kind of harmony play out well with your DM, the rest of the players will want to do it too. Oh, yeah. The uh, Just to add on to that, um, 
Penny was not intended to to have darkness in her background. She it was purely just like she comes from this good wholesome place, and now she's here and she's experiencing it. And once I kind of learned Zach's style, that changed with the labyrinth, and I made a shift to imitate his style with that poem. And it it was fucking life changing for me. Like realizing that my players might want to play into my interests made the whole thing better. Respect tone. If the whole if they've decided to put you into a grim fucking crypt and everything's super scary and, and, and spooky, don't make fucking stupid dick jokes about every goddamn torch you see. Don't spoil the mood. You didn't have to look at me and say that. <laughs> I was about to say we did that today. Saturday. I mean, sure. <laughs> but like try to try to preserve the mood. Try to play in, into the creative energy that your players and your DM are putting out, and it will reward you thousands of times over. I like all that very much. And also like approach that like when we say that. A lot of what we're talking about is doing this as a show, but there is a lot of carryover to playing at a normal table. Absolutely. Definitely be aware of the differences, but most of these in principle can definitely come to your home game. Um, you don't need to worry about retaking lines or thinking about the cool <laughs> one-liner in a live game, really. But that said, think about it. Like you can, you can retake whatever you want. Treat it like you're recording. Yeah, exactly. It might really help you out. There's a big chunk of ones for Zach, which is totally fine. I did just finish my series, and this is about the finale. So. Yeah, I know, exactly. A lot of them are, are clarification ones, too. Five, rapid fire, ten words or less, go. <gasps> so I'll try to space them out. Um, this one is, again, from Reshpin. I'll keep them short, too. How much did you have to scramble when I almost used the magic item? Uh, it genuinely was just a, let me pause, mostly because I knew what I wanted to tell them, mm -hmm. because I knew I wanted to foreshadow what they would find in the Axis, so I just needed a second to find out the exact words. Because, again, just like with a genie, you know, the words you mm -hmm. use is important. And the idea came to me, the way of phrasing it, there is nothing at the heart of the axis. It was it was a dual meaning. It was perfect. But it took like a good like eight minutes of me just sitting there being like. Ah, da, da, da. It was really fun watching you just get shocked by that choice. Yeah. And look, if somebody throws a dry age tomahawk in your hands, you can either just flamethrow <laughs> it right then or. <laughs> you can really make a meal out of it. And yeah. you wanted to take the time and make a meal out of that more. Story. It was the finale. I got to do it right. Quick follow-up for Zach from Wolf of the Borderline. What were some of the contingencies you had planned for killing any of the PCs in the last chapters? Originally, I had intended that if somebody died, died in the Axis, their soul would get lost in the Axis, and then they would have to find them. And that level would have been a mm. dungeon that either they ran about their own personal demons as a foreshadowing to the fact that the Axis is literally heaven and hell to its denizens, or one that I create that they don't realize is a mirror of their own personal psyche. And then by getting them back, by finding that soul, they could then cast a true resurrection, which would have put them in a glory hole, and then they would have had to, like, go through a whole fucking nightmare. And if there's one thing we like on LUQ... Glory holes. Yes. But again, ultimately, we wanted it so that you could theoretically get, you could take debt and bring somebody back. Absolutely. Yeah, I, like, I always love the idea of like bring them back with a full new quest and plus bonus content <laughs> or just bring them back with a bunch of used car salesmen. <laughs> yeah, that was that was so much fun. So much fucking fun. Where, there was a really good one. I wanted to. Oh, yeah. Well, this is another one from Enter and we don't have to actually do the beginning part, but it just says roll initiative as a player or DM. What do you appreciate most from the person who's next in the initiative order? <laughs> uh, telling me what they want. Like, God, sweet Jesus. Uh, when we started season two, I had originally intended that uh, at every initiative round, we would pause the recording. Oh, I mean, that's great. What I mean, they're actually saying, like, we're just randomly picking someone at the table and telling them what we appreciate most. Oh. And their version of that was by us rolling initiative. Right, I put my dice away. Right. 
We don't. I don't know if we need to. We can just kind of do a random zigzag. I don't know. It's I, like, I like. I like the die roll here. All right. Give me your meat I'm dice. I'm gonna need some. I put mine away. Papa boy. Perfect. I got a thick, wide six. Race you to the bottom. <laughs> Race you to the bottom. I got a nine. <laughs> nice. I got a twelve. Natural fun. Mm-hmm. Lasties. The lasties. Okay, so the order is Law, Dana, Zach, Max, Angelo. And then Angelo, I guess, would go back. Oh, let's Al. include Hal. Hey. Seven for Michael. Seven Ghost for Michael. Michael. So you won't be able to answer, of course, but. Oh, no, we know the answer. Uh, mine is going into Dana. What, specifically reading the question, what do you appreciate most from the person who's next in the initiative order? Dana, I am so glad that you joined the cast, not just as one of the two figureheads that has built the little tiny entertainment company, but there aren't a lot of people in the world that I have a very kind of like creative spark with that really get me going and working with you lately and like even having to like force you into a creative corner and be like, we're doing the work now. <laughs> well, it, it took a little while to, um... <coughs> I apologize. They all made me laugh too hard during the mid roll. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> I was pooping. <laughs> That's so what we were, were we. laughing about. <laughs> it, it, you it poop. took us a little while to kind of figure out how to work with each other, but now it's it's really good and it's really energizing, 100%. Just the, the brain fire that I'm feeling right now, specifically since we have a whole bunch more writing to do in the very near future. I'm not weary about it at all. I'm eager, eager to have time to do it. And all of that carries over true as you a player at the table or a player next to me at the table. Dana to Zach. Also literally fucking ditto. Like, I feel exactly the same way. That's Writing very with you kind. is awesome. <clears throat> well, I mean, ditto, I, I guess. That's kind of where I was going <laughs> with uh, with Zach. Is, Stolen. Yeah, no, I, um, no, writing with you is, is a lot of fun. You're very, I, I appreciate your thoroughness and diligence with everything. Like, it's still, it flabbergasts me the amount of stuff you write down as a game master. <laughs> Like, I do more of that now, especially, like, for, for what we're doing now, but uh, I never used to. I was, I was like, Max, like, like, it's just so strange. And you do that, and it's very thorough and very poetic. It's because I wanted to be a writer before I wanted to be a DM. Right, and that, that makes sense. And, like, the way that you, um, and the, the show as a whole, but, but you especially, are, are really careful with your words and your descriptions and very poetic. Listening back to recordings of my games before I met you, that part was significantly worse. And now <laughs> I'm in a position where kind of taking everything I've learned from that style of play and presenting it as a professional to paying people. Um, like, like I'm going to say right now, we have run one day of our campaign <laughs> at, at TPK. One day, just the first three groups had their first session. And uh, one person in the first group told me right afterwards they regret not buying the lifetime subscription. <laughs> and we've already had people like re- renew their subscription for chapter two, which is in January. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I. I get it. So following initiative, it gets weird because we threw in Michael, but it would be either Zach talking to Michael and then Michael talking to Max. Or we could just do Zach talking to Max so no one gets missed. I'm going to do I'm gonna t- do Zach talking to Michael and Max. OK, that's exactly what I would. Uh, we are the same, person. especially. And I think that's appropriate because, again, for a while, Max is replacing Michael. We're both dads. We both are kind of blonde. Yeah. So to start, I want to say that Michael, there is a major reason why we wanted to include him in season two. And that was because he was by far the most consistent, focused, diligent person I'd ever met. And most importantly, he 
just took criticism super fucking well. If he if I made a request of him, he just did it. There was no there was no balking, there was no argument, there was no issue. But then at the same time, he was extraordinarily good at just being forthright and straightforward about everything he needed. If there was an issue he saw, if there was a question he had, he asked them. And no amount of my I know that y'all know that sometimes I seem angrier than I am. And no amount of that frustration affected his willingness to just be straight with me. And it was so fucking refreshing to have that just honesty. Also, he dropped some good one-liners. His one-liners are amazing. And one of the reasons why I enjoyed giving him the break that we did is because once he came back, uh, you know, with the whole new energy, he just got back that one-liner juice and he was just dropping the heat. But that brings me actually to you, Max, is (gasps) without fail, you have impressed me at every single fucking turn. (laughs) Uh, Your ability to quickly come up with jokes and I mean good jokes, not just like <laughs> not just like goofy shit where you're like, ha ha butts. You know, you're not you're not making sh- like shitty, obvious referential humor or anything like that. Your ability to on the fly just grab words that fit together in a funny way rivals law, which is a fucking <laughs> impressive fucking accomplishment and something that I desperately try to mimic. And I feel like I fall <laughs> short of. So I will say I think you're funnier than I am by a margin. But then on top of that, the fact that you had to sit in in this table with absolutely no experience being here uh, and fill the shoes of like one of the people who've been here almost as long as me and law have, and then did so brilliantly. You, you filled the role well, you, and not just the role in the, in the, the combat or the game, but just your feeling at the table. And it just made me feel so excited to work with you, and I'm so excited to have you for season three. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You said come in and be funny, and I tried. <laughs> <laughs> also, if I, I, I got to got to get on those coattails too like max has such a consistently positive energy and like that's a thing you say about like a lot of people and sometimes it means something but like i genuinely even at his like saddest and and like most heart open thoughtful max has always just like had a pulsing positive energy um and i i i genuinely this is something that i've thought lately the reason his little baby is always smiley and happy uh-huh. is because this is like the primary source of personality he gets for half of his life that's why I fucking hate him. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I hate my, I hate you. I hate your I'm so me or my baby. You. <laughs> Don't you hate my baby? I'm so incredibly That's why I hate that baby. I'm so incredibly hateful and vengeful and jealous of your constant positivity <laughs> and I wish I could steal it so that I could drive it into the ground. Look, <laughs> I love that baby more than every one of you at this table. I completely understand. I, I fucking hate him. I don't, <laughs> I don't blame you even a little bit. <laughs> so then it would be Max to Angelo. As the initiative has dictated. Angelo, there's a phrase I'm going to use that I think I've said to you before, and to anyone else, this might sound like a negative thing, Mm. but it's absolutely not. One of my favorite things in the fucking world is Angelo bullshit. (laughs) Angelo bullshit are the out-of-pocket, just fucking Mm -hmm. batshit decisions that keep everybody on their toes, that keep everybody, like, guessing and, and immersed before your decisions and actions in most, not just like this game, but like other games I have played with you, of which there have been a fucking lot, there's a pause, there's a wait. And it might be, you know, you thinking about something, mulling something around in that just fucking unbearably sexy little head of yours. It might be, it might be you chewing that brain gum real hard, but I think it's everybody else wanting to know what should happen with them because you're going to do something that's going to completely change everything that's about to happen. (laughs) And that happens so fucking consistently that the most reliable thing about you 
is how unreliable, not unreliable, <laughs> unpredictable, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, yeah. The most reliable thing about you is how unpredictable the next thing that comes out of you is going to be. And I fucking love that. It's I would I 100% agree. It's one of my favorite things at the state in your play at this table is the fact that you throw curveballs that not only am I not expecting, but are so fucking exciting and weird. They're good. You just you just you let you have the reins for a little bit and it takes things somewhere they belong. And we might not have known they had belonged there the, the whole time until the second, you wiped your butt all over. Them. The second Gaspar tried to possess the head of the corpus. Oh so I God. still marvel at the size of the balls, the beautiful balls. <laughs> That's exactly that the moment I was thinking words. of. <laughs> Brilliant and wonderful. Um, if we want to wrap that one, then it would be Angelo back to the top. I think Angelo to law makes sense. Yeah. Law. You are, You strike awe. It rhymes. I know. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, it's funny getting to see such, like, I don't know, talent. I, I maintain that I'm in a room filled with very talented people. I am too. Yeah. I'm not. Intense eye contact. <laughs> Including myself. <laughs> but the amount of times that you've impressed the talented people in the room has to be acknowledged. And like, I don't want to say, oh, I appreciate how awesome you are. Mm. Um, it's a very yearbook thing to say. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Have, Have a, a good cool summer. summer. <laughs> mm -hmm. What I say I want to appreciate is how you then summon awesome out of everybody else. Uh, there have been a few times, you know, it might not show in the recording, but like I created my character, I kind of have an image, I know kind of what it is, and you were like, ooh, that's great. And then just like you were trying on a little hat every now and then, you'd be like, ooh, let me try and say something like what Gaspar would say. And I'd be like, that's exactly what should have been said. And I don't have the writing chops to say that or like to like that's that's what I designed, but it's not the, you know, the end result that I could have made. And so just being part of a project with you and you going, hey, this is the thing you made. Here's how you can squeeze an awesome thing out of it. Well, I'm grateful to hear that because I was worried that I don't have control over how many times I put that little hat on. And I try to have some rain on it, but sometimes I just like get idea diarrhea and it's just like. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would just add to that. It is humbling watching Law run something that you wrote, uh, mm. especially something that you wrote and that you just ran because Law is like he elevates it. And uh, all, all I can do is is take his example and use it to improve my game. Like it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is awe inspiring. Yeah. The the let me do your job better than you. <laughs> no, <laughs> look, it's palpable. Uh, it's very noticeable. Yeah, but there are there are some times where you see that and you go, well, I'm retiring. Yeah. <laughs> no, this one is like, ooh. Inspired. Oh yeah! Literally every time Law 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 does better than me in something, my first thought is, you know what? I saw how he did that. I think I could do that too. And then I just get better. Well, that's the best. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah! Mm -hmm. And I I'm not sure where we're at. There's some really great new ones, but unfortunately, like almost word for word, we've just answered these questions in a True. very real way. There's one I think would be really fun to wrap on if that if that fits the timeline. I can't see the clock. 
Which one is it? The, the, what, what clock? What's our time at? Oh, uh, hour seven. Okay. You're like, I oh, think... what time is it? Zach's like, what the fuck kind of question is that? It's party time, baby. <laughs> what no. sort of a dumb son of a bitch would ask me what time it is? Uh, I just think this one would be kind of fun to rap on, especially for like as beautiful as season two is. I think this is great. So Reshman asked to all, this one may take a little prep. I don't think it will. What is your favorite or most despised joke from season two? What was a funny moment that just really... Because, man, this season had some fucking funny moments. All right. Yeah. The, I don't want to toot my own fucking horn, but... Let me I think, toot it for I think you. for this question, you're allowed to self-toot. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. When we were doing the Dungeon, you know, the Dan Dungeon. Yes. The, <laughs> coming, coming out, out of, me. of me. That, that... <laughs> the fact that we were all, like... Crying at the table. <laughs> we really were. That was like one of the longest cuts we've ever had to put in an episode. We could not get through. It'd be large, just like staring at each other, just being like, hey! small hands, small hands. They're inside me. Coming out of me. <laughs> They're taking pieces of me. <laughs> Like, just like, oh. <laughs> we did the that fucking... no laugh challenge. Look, oh I, my God. I understand. I am very Impossible. good at not laughing. It's true. I, I can kill the inside <laughs> uh, of myself very well. I was, and I told Max, I was like, "Look, everybody's laughing. It's cracking you up that they're laughing. Just look at me. I will not break." <laughs> I broke. It's <laughs> one of the few times I ever, well, not, not 100%, like, I broke like maybe twice while you weren't looking just to get some steam oh out. Oh my God. But that's one of the only times that I've ever gone like, I'm not going to laugh. It was, it was and thick ropes of laughter. Yes. For sure. So, thick ropes of laughter. Was it asking which joke did everybody like that we despised? No, it's saying pick one that either stuck out because you despised it or because it was so beautiful. Gotcha. gotcha. And that was, that was beautiful. This that, one specifically has for joke or pun, but I think funny mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. My easily my favorite one that is entirely for us and nobody else would have understood it in any meaningful way was when uh, Angela wanted to do the I want to sound like I'm vibrating in the used car, <laughs> car salesman shit. And he was like, and I literally walk up to Angelo and I'm vibrating my hand and like <laughs> punching him in the stomach trying to get him to have this like vibrating tone. And literally all of us are just like barely holding it together. All of a sudden they're like punching Angelo in the stomach. And tricked him into a free massage. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, oh, very good. Uh, so dumb. <laughs> oh, and also a beautiful kudos to Sam for picking out some great like cutting floor moments mm. that are all hilarious. Oh, yeah. oh, and specifically re-editing Wusha's. They're coming out of me. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming out of me super cut. Is that Patreon content? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The cutting room floor is all Patreon content. Good. Uh buy buy that video. The end. <laughs> <laughs> buy that audio. Whatever. I uh, there was a oh god. There's a fucking lot of funny ass moments. There was one though, and I don't remember exactly which episode it was in, but at some point the challenge was proposed to the table that everyone go around and make their best dolphin noise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Kinuit, yeah, it was on Kinuit, and everyone tried, and everyone just fucking <laughs> laughed. There, they like heard themselves make the noise. They're like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> And it went on so long for no reason. There was no point to it. <laughs> and it was so fucking funny. <laughs> that one got me. I am having trouble thinking of one. Yeah. Uh, Can I maybe pass yeah, one Help me out. I, I'm, it's hard to remember everything from two years. I don't know if this ever got to any of the listeners or any of the fans. 
Where did Jamaica come from? Where did Jamaica come from? <laughs> we, you know how we do when we get on the mics and we're just turning on the microphone and we're just testing the audio. We're listening to our voice. We're saying something to be like, all right, let's do it. And instead of just let's fuck this dog, just the words, Jamaica. <laughs> yeah. It was. Jamaica it just, just made out. sense to me at the time. Look, if any it country like right radiates thing. energy, it's Jamaica. <laughs> well, that, I it just I, so happened to manifest into law. I think I followed it up by saying, "What the fuck does that mean? You can't just say Jamaica and then law." Jamaica's a complete thought. Jamaica's a complete thought. It kind of stopped. Uh, it, it went for like a little while at the very beginning of the show, and then kind of died out. But like. Angelo used to warm up with like these lines from Anchorman. Yes. <laughs> and I didn't know where they were from. And it's just the most out of pocket shit. And it was so funny. The Human Torch was denied a bank loan lives on to this day. Yeah, but nothing so else good. does. And like some of it is just fucking strange. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Jonathan's corn cob pipe. Jonathan! <laughs> 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 we, have, we have fun. One of my favorite movies ever. I it's love good, it's that a good movie. One. It really so is. So much. Hard to say it ain't. <laughs> Look, an unsung hero is our little uh, mic checks where, yes. right, where I get to start a little word association game. <laughs> I think we started that after Max came on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was it was fairly recent in the grand scheme of things. Okay, because I remember doing it like immediately. Yeah. I take Th it. That, yeah. <laughs> like it's akin to like bowing before bowing to each other before like sparring <laughs> I think also it's only just for us I, yes that's why I have an idea no what say we finish this by me doing the readout and then we do yes. one of those I'm so cool okay all right these all so, just we just improv them right off oh, the for dome. right here audience uh, -huh. uh this is this is how every single episode of battle axis started <clears throat> I'm pressing record in three two one. This is LUQ&A number five, six, seven. Question mark, question mark. Doesn't matter. For squiven. This is Zach. I am a complete human torch, Angelo. I have lost my torch. Complete me, God, dear human, Max. I am an invisible woman, Dana. <laughs> I'm the children! <laughs> Recording five, four, <laughs> 